the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As we head into Hour 3, the Bears should be afraid. John Shattuck is in studio, and he came here loaded for bear. John Shattuck, former congressman representing this area, used to be called District 4, the original District 4. He served in Congress. He was part of the class of 1994, or at least the uh, Gingrich Revolution of 1994. He is the head of Shattuck and Associates. Anyone who had a problem with the government has a problem with the government or might have a problem with the government is his client base, which gives him a client base of about 7 billion people, I think. <laughs> exactly. You are you are rolling in it, John. <laughs> all right. I have a lot to talk <laughs> We have a lot to talk about. First of all, I was making the point yesterday, John, that um, in only about two, three months of a slim majority that we took back in one House of Congress, boy, the consequences are roiling and big, aren't they? We are seeing a lot out of this uh Tart Congress out of this ginger Congress with a slim majority. We are seeing all kinds of conservative uh, arguments being vindicated, whether it had to do with COVID, whether it had to do with COVID origins, whether it had to do with COVID mitigations, whether it had to do with corruption. And now a whole new series of discussions with another side and another view, perhaps a more complete view of what the country was fed nursed and nurtured by the Democratic Party and the mainstream media with regard to January 6th. Uh, You know, the rainforests are being lifted by the mainstream media because they are so very offended that all of the video has been shared with Fox News. Um, They had seemingly just no problem at all when Nancy Pelosi hired a Good Morning America producer to put together a January 6th video narrative that was obviously a cribbed and cabined view of it. And dubbed in. And dubbed in audio. It wasn't. Absolutely. Genuine. Absolutely. So Washington Post, which tells us democracy dies in darkness, seems to want to pull the shades down on America and over their eyes. I'll let you take it from there. Well, uh, it is so shocking to see how extreme an unchecked federal government can be. And that may be true on the left and the right, but we have watched uh, a period of time in which the left had just complete unchecked run uh, of Washington and could uh, literally use the media to tell the American people that black was white, red was blue, up was down, uh, they could take uh, they could lie at will about everything, and not only would nobody check them a- a- and challenge that, uh, but uh, the media made a conscious choice to jump on board and repeat the lie. And uh, my dad taught that you should never use the word lie. And in a political campaign, I think he was right. Uh, but in this case, it's hard to know what else to call it. It clearly is a uh, well-crafted, completely thought out, and totally coordinated uh, propaganda campaign. 
we're going to convince the American people that this happened, not that. And you see it in COVID and the handling of COVID. And now we are seeing it uh, kind of apply or, or now we are realizing that it applied equally to January 6th. Uh, the first thing that shocked me in January 6th was, and I noticed this contemporaneously with when it occurred, Nancy Pelosi was asked, I believe at least four specific times in writing by the head of the Capitol Police, who, by the way, was fired within hours Mm -hmm. of the event. Mm -hmm. She was asked by the Capitol Police, who has to ask the clerk of the House, Mm -hmm. and then the clerk of the House has to go to Nancy Pelosi or to the speaker and say, transmit the request. She was asked at least four times, I believe, in writing. Uh, for additional forces in advance of this of January 6th. Because the FBI had put out information that they could expect violence on that day. Everybody in America who was paying any attention knew that the almost certain uh, result of what was happening, and I fault President Trump for playing along in it and setting it up. I think it was uh, foolish and stupid and... and uh, unwise and demonstrated a lack of concern about the nation. Uh, He was wrong in all of those. But Pelosi, by consciously saying, no, I won't bring on board any more Capitol Police for the day. I won't bring on board any more D.C. police uh, for the event. I will not call up or ask for the National Guard. It's, in my opinion, extremely clear and, and just about without question that she wanted things to spin out of control on that day, period. She, I believe, consciously thought, well, you know, if we don't have enough people here and they spin out of control, which they are emotionally charged and upset, they're likely to spin out of control, that will all make them look like crazies or look like insurrectionists. uh, insurrectionists." Funny thing yeah. in an erection, you have to have insurrection. You have to have a plan yeah. to overthrow the government. I maybe know, even a gun, and maybe even a gun. <laughs> maybe even I, one gun. <laughs> I, I keep yeah. waiting for some commentators on the right to say, as as their introductory for every segment on this issue, not a single uh, demonstrator or insurrectionist, alleged insurrections erectionist, carried a gun. Every policeman had a gun. Last night, I heard for the first time that what they What the left means or uses to defend its claim that it was an armed insurrection is that once they got in the Capitol building, many of them grabbed flagpoles. And so that was that's that's an arm uh, or a weapon. And therefore, it was an armed insurrection. I mean, any listener has to burst out loud at just listening to that. So I think it's clear that she wanted this to happen. And I think she should be investigated that for that to this day. Uh, but uh, the the for the media then for the I guess it was the January 6th committee. Maybe it was initially her, Nancy Pelosi herself, to say we are not turning over the tapes for the Justice Department, which is supposed to be even handed to say we are not turning over all of the tapes. Uh, that is conduct uh, consistent with deceit by the government. It's the kind of conduct we expect out of a banana republic. Oh, we're going to hide from public view uh, 
in a nation that believes government derives their power from the consent of the people, we, the government, are going to not deny the public the right to view the evidence in a given instance. In this case, they said, no, 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 we're not going to show you all the tapes. Uh, they, and then they released and aired the ones that showed the worst of the violence. And it, it's fair to say Tucker Carlson, in his two displays, released and showed the least of the violence. Um, the problem is neither of those should happen. The American people from day one should have been able to see everything so that they could see what I think is accurate, uh, which is that there were clearly some violent people. Uh, and John Kennedy, uh, a senator I admire very much, said, look, there was violence. At the same time, I think the evidence now shows that the violence was constrained to certainly less than 20 percent of the people there, maybe less than 10 percent. Uh, so we've dealt with the violence issue or we should be able to see it and make our own determination. We understand the armed uh, issue. They weren't in fact not a single one of them carried a gun. If you want to overthrow the government, somebody should have been carrying a gun. There should have been a leader. You would think <laughs> usually a coup has a leader. I think that for an insurrection, there should have been a plan. Yeah. Uh, so how many people have been convicted when there was they were unaware of any plan to overthrow the government and never would have consented to it if uh, there had been a plan. I mean, I think it's disgraceful that it happened. Yeah, of course. Um, I think it is uh, worse that uh, President Trump kind of laid the foundation or opened the door. At least invited some. Absolutely. Of this. He invited uh, these people. And I, and I condemn him for that. Yeah. But uh, the conduct on the other side is equally as shocking, and at least now it's being aired. Yeah, for us Republicans, we have to acknowledge look, there are bad actors on our side. Just like in the riots of 2020, not Everybody uh, lit uh, a an explosive or tried to light a building on fire. Some of those people, you know, understood the limits of, quote unquote, peaceful protest. So we have those extremists on each side, but the American people deserved a more balanced uh, presentation than they have until they that they have got than they had gotten until uh, Fox News aired uh the video evidence from the event. I'm glad you brought up 2020. Uh, we have to take a quick commercial break. I would like to do a little fun game of compare and contrast when we come back because it is interesting that the narrative of January 6th and the violence therein seemed to dominate the narrative of the riots of 2020. And I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit about that and Nancy Pelosi and the Democratic Party's role in the fomenting of violence in 2020. John Shattig is my guest. He's in studio. He and I will be right back. John Shattig is my guest. Congressman John Shattig in studio. Delighted to have him talking about all things um, January 6th. And want to get to this story out of uh, Glendale, Arizona as well. The educate Washington Edu Elementary School Board uh, story as well that we've been covering. But uh, John, you brought up 2020, and, uh, you know, we had months of riots throughout 2020, not hours, months. We had um, 30 people killed, not zero, 30. Uh, we had $2 billion worth of damage, not zero, billions. And uh, we had mass resignations and retirements of police precincts and police leadership throughout the country over it. Um, to compare that, 
to January 6th, I believe, is an inapt analogy, but that is what the Democrats seized on. And I remember one of the riots that took place in Baltimore in 2020. Nancy Pelosi was asked about, because Baltimore was her hometown, as you know, right? Her Mm -hmm. dad was the mayor. Her father was a mayor. That's right. And she was asked about it. And I remember she said, and I'm quoting exactly, people will do what people do. And I remember when she said that, what I said on this show, I said, we have a problem. We have a real problem if the Speaker of the House is going to be an apologist for a riot saying people will do what people will do. Because I can now imagine someone using that quote against her, some Republican who doesn't like a marginal tax rate hike storming the Capitol. And then all the next speaker or the minority leader, if they're still in the minority, has to say is people will do what people will do. It's an awful sentiment. The Democrats were apologists for violence throughout 2020. They were apologists and defenders. Kamala Harris helped fund a uh, help help fund an initiative to spring the rioters out of jail. Uh, she said Which the riots. they're doing again right now exactly. in Atlanta, Georgia. Exactly right. There. Exactly right. What they're doing in Atlanta, Georgia, right. Exactly right. You cannot find me. You will not find me. One single Republican recognized by more than three people who defended January 6th. You will not find me a single Republican or conservative anyone had heard of who was involved in the violence of January 6th. And what the Democrats did with January 6th was turn it into what you just said, yes, a a violent insurrection that by no definition of any insurrection in the history of the world would it ever meet. But beyond that, they used it as a campaign theme for two years and used it to erase and uh, bury the violence they covered up for and fomented throughout the year of 2020. One of the phrases I loathed the most that the Democrats used, Joe Biden used it, Nancy Pelosi, they all used it, was that it was the first effort since the Civil War to stop the peaceful transfer of power. January 6th was not a transfer of power day. That would have been January 20th. Right. This was a vote counting day. And when certain senators like Josh Hawley or Senator Ted Cruz stood up to question the Electoral College count that day, January 6th. They were doing nothing less than what Barbara Boxer had done in 2004 with Ohio. They had done nothing less than what Michael Moore made a movie about with Bush v. Gore in 2001. So all of this is horse manure, and I wish I could use a word (laughs) stronger than manure, do you know the Do you know the Truman story? Harry <laughs> Truman, best Truman. He's given a tour of the press corps to the Rose Garden, and he keeps talking about all the horse crap they need to 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 keep the the Rose Garden uh, clean, uh, uh, growing. And a reporter says, "I know your husband's just a simple man from the Midwest, but he is the president. Could he use a word better than horse crap?" She goes, "Do you know how long it took me to get him to use horse crap?" <laughs> anyway, John, you take the point. Um, so there is this interesting la- lagging question as to whether. As January 6th was so weaponized against the entirety of the Republican Party, there is this lagging question about whether it is a good political strategy for us to uh, be uh, raising it again, even in the exposure with all the sunlight as the disinfectant on things we haven't seen. I was thinking of the old line from the man who shot Liberty Valance. The Democrats have lived off this line which is when the legend becomes fact, you print the legend. Well, they've been running with a legend. So maybe it's, as you said, right to show the other side. Well, a thought. 
No, it's, I think it's an extremely good thought. The reality is uh, it's never a good idea to raise your own negatives um, uh, and, and to get the public to refocus on uh, your worst days as opposed to your best days <laughs> or your biggest mistakes as opposed to your greatest accomplishments. Yeah. So in that regard, uh, I think it can be questioned as a political strategy uh, if the debate is small p political you know how what you know in the game of politics if we were in the midst of a presidential election uh, i would i would be much more convinced that drawing people's attention back now to uh, january 6th was a huge or would be a huge mistake at the same time i think you hit the nail on the head when you started this entire session by pointing out how radically different things things are now that we're having yes, at least right, some right, debate in right, Washington right, right. Uh, for literally two years while the Democrats controlled all of the levers of power in Washington and the media was simply their megaphone and would repeat whatever they said and do it with derision uh, towards anybody that contradicted it. Uh, the nation was being fed uh, so much false information and engaged in so much evil conduct. I don't think it's I think it's anywhere uh, but clear about what will happen with these convictions. Oh, yeah. That some of them may have been in violation of what the Brady rule or something. Ab- like absolutely. That, right? yeah. And for that matter. Uh, the conduct of the this attorney general and the conduct of the judiciary in Washington, D.C., I was thinking about it yesterday. So what would cause a federal judge in Washington, D.C. not to demand to see or have someone review all of the video? Uh, and, and, and did these judges, for example, know that uh, that QAnon Shamadan was allowed in the building, as were hundreds of these people, uh, was escorted around as though he was a guest. In one incident, it's clear that one of the policemen tries to open a door to let him into somewhere, uh, whether it was the Senate floor or somewhere. Um, I, I, you know, I, it is inconceivable to me that I could be accused of trespassing if a policeman met me at the gate and opened the gate, then followed me around while I walked, gave me a tour of the property, uh, and then I walked out without ever being asked to leave and was never can- handcuffed, handcuffed or arrested while I was there. And yet the tape that was shown pretty much showed that happened to a lot of those people. And um, if, I, if I were a federal judge in that city and I saw the tapes that are now out there showing what they show, I, I would demand that. Uh, the prosecutors bring those tapes to me and ask them, it's clearly exculpatory evidence. Why didn't they show it? And I think a lot of these convictions may be reversed. There's the whole issue of uh, inducing people to commit crimes uh, and whether uh, the government fully engaged in that and how far they went. Uh, What's the guy who's... uh, I'm struggling with his name. Ray Epps. Yeah, Ray Epps. That story has yet to be No, nothing about Ray Epps. I think this will be I think this will in time be shown as a an example of how poorly the American justice system can work and how bad it can be. When it's politicized, it gets bad. It was supposed to be separate from politics. John Shaddix, my guest. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. John Shattig is our guest, Congressman John Shattig, uh, former representative uh, here in um, what well, is the old District 4, which is the area from whence we broadcast and where we both live, where I grew up and live now and where he spent his um, entire life here in Arizona, except when he was representing us in Washington, D.C. John, you were as taken as I was by this story out of uh, Glendale, Arizona, with the Washington Elementary School Board, where for 11 years, Arizona Christian University has been placing student teachers in the classrooms there, and a brand new school board member coming uh, coming into office uh, this year, one uh, Tamilia Valenzuela, noted that, holy smokes, Holy smokes, Arizona Christian University has a mission whose, state, whose mission statement is to influence, that the, stu, the school is to influence, engage, and transform the culture with truth by promoting biblically informed values foundational to Western civilization. And the school board went along and voted to not allow those teachers to cancel that contract so that teachers, students from that school could no longer be in the public school system at Washington Elementary. I think it's a violation not only of the Constitution, but I think it's a violation of all common sense and reason. I wonder what your thoughts are. Well, um, clearly what they did was improper. It is clearly uh, evidence of prejudice or bias. At bottom it is, oh, uh, these people go to a school that has certain values that means that even though they have not engaged in any improper conduct individually, because they are members of a class, that is students who attend this university, we're going to ban them all from uh, teaching at, uh, in our district. Uh, That is uh, discrimination in its worst possible form. You and I were joking beforehand. So uh, if there is, you know, one black white people, then we can, I'm sorry, one bad white person uh, who and we can surely find one, (laughs) then we can ban all white people from uh, certain jobs. Or if there's one bad uh, uh, Chinese person, we can ban all Chinese or discriminate against them all. It's called scapegoating and collective responsibility is the definition of prejudice. To a certain degree, it's it's kind of been reduced to identity politics. Yes, sir. It is, oh, well, if you're this skin color, you must believe X, and therefore you're bad. Uh, That is absurd. I, you know, just as you were talking about it, I I kind of hope that it turns out a little bit like the movie The Bridge Over the River Kwai. Yes, sir. Uh, And that is that the school board at its next meeting will sit back and say, you know what? (laughs) Uh, We made a goof. And uh, it is clear that many of these students... uh, uh, are good people, and for years they've been teaching in our district, and for years they have not discriminated against uh, LBGTQ people, and for years they have not made any students in their classes who are LGBTQ uh, feel badly, and so we shouldn't be punishing the whole class uh, or or every student that goes to that school. By the way, who knows if just because they go to the school, right. they happen to believe those yeah. words. I know a lot of BYU students who aren't LDS members. I'll, I'll, I'll bet a million bucks that not more than 2% of the students at that school have read that language and said, yep, I, I sign it. Oh, I bet you're I, right. <laughs> I bet you're right. So I, I'm just kind of hoping that the school district will wake up and say, you know what? If one of those students gets hired at our school and is teaching and uh, – 
uh, acts in an inappropriate, inappropriate way towards one of our LGBTQ students or a fellow teacher or uh, exhibits this kind of uh, bias or prejudice against those individuals, we'll deal with that and we'll punish them. But uh, to punish the class is something that I hope as a nation we have learned is inappropriate. Yeah, I think it is anti-Christian bigotry because that is the class they are talking about. And the definition of justice is you find the individual who commits the wrong, who commits the crime, and you obviously charge them, dismiss them, whatever the civil or criminal penalty appropriate is. You don't take the entire group, the entire class. This has been the mistake of every form of racism that this country has tried to overcome, every form of bigotry this country has tried to overcome. Remember about two years ago when the Smithsonian in in Washington, D.C. was doing this with the definition of what constitutes white culture, going to your point that because you are a member of a class, you must do X. Well, I could probably walk through this office, John, uh, and find six or seven people who claim themselves and would define themselves as Christians and probably get six or seven different points of view on all kinds of issues. Absolutely. You know, you could do it in almost any church, and I'll guarantee you at that college you can do it, too. And so I think it's, as I'm listening to you speak, a perversion of justice as well as a perversion of common sense and maybe the Constitution. And with luck, they'll acknowledge that. They'll see what's wrong because they can and should go after bad individual conduct (laughs) that does make a student feel bad, uh, but uh, not a broad brush sweep of, oh, because we've we've read this, now nobody from that school can teach here. So we've got the man who shot Liberty Valance. We've got the bridge on the River Kwai this hour. We'll see what we come back with in the next segment. John Shattig and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. John Shattig is my guest in studio. Delighted to have him, Congressman Shattig. Back to something I was saying in the very first segment, John, that in a few short months, it is interesting how much influence this new Congress has had on shaping and changing the narrative of politics and the culture. Uh, A lot of us obviously were disappointed we didn't have a bigger majority in our last election. But even with this thin majority and even in just a couple short months, a lot has changed. A lot of conservative thoughts, statements, objections to uh, the last several years have been vindicated and are being vindicated. And we're going forward even today with uh, with uh, hearings on, on, on the origins of COVID. And I'm thinking back to your tenure a little bit. You came in with the famous class of 1994. There were a few Fewer probably outside of Bill Clinton and Rush Limbaugh, fewer larger touchstones in our politics and culture than the Speaker of the House in those days, Newt Gingrich. And y'all had a big impact on the politics and culture, too. I wonder if you might do just a little maybe thinking about out loud about the comparison and uh, the comparison and contrast with that kind of change, because there's no question as much as I like. And I'm so far impressed with Kevin McCarthy. He's not Newt Gingrich. He wasn't Newt Gingrich. And as much as I liked Newt Gingrich, he wasn't Newt Gingrich either. (laughs) I think you know what I mean. But some kind of common sense leadership, which I think at base is what this country craves, does have its own ability, its own puissance, its own power to change the nonsense, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, It is when you started this point, um, one of my first thoughts actually went to Kevin McCarthy. Um, I uh, I continue to be very impressed uh, with the consistency that I see and the balance that he's striking. 
Uh, when I met my wife, she was a school teacher, and we got in discussions about raising children, and she laid down uh, kind of her philosophy. And that philosophy was that in raising children, there are two essential things. One is you must set rules, and two, arguably from her point of view, more important, you must enforce the rules, you, and you must do so consistently. Um, if you say 9 o'clock is bedtime, then 9 o'clock has to be bedtime, you know, with next to zero, uh, never any exceptions. If you say that if you do some other conduct, you're going to get grounded, then you have to enforce the rule. And uh, I'm a kind of a at, at times I can be laid back and I can say, well, look, I want the kids up. And so uh, I don't want to enforce the rule tonight. And she said, that doesn't work. I think Kevin McCarthy is doing a very good job of laying out a series of principles or ideas and then following through. One of those, I think, is conduct has consequences. So if the Democrats decided to inappropriately and without authority throw some Republicans off of committees, uh, then we warned them then that when we got the majority back, they could expect con consequences for their conduct. And that's one of the things we talked about earlier. I think uh, um, conduct uh, has consequences, and I think he's doing a good job of not being a passionate ideological leader, but being a kind of a consistent leader where he says to the Democrats, you know, you guys wielded power and it did real damage to us. And now it's your turn. And so we're going to do hearings on the origins of COVID. We're going to do hearings on uh, uh, the, the things that you did that constitute an abuse of power. Uh, the FBI completely shocks me with its conduct over the last two to four years. And I think the institution uh, has Almost no credibility left. It's fouled its nest in many ways. Absolutely. And the only way you're going to clear that up is to take a look at it and try to set things straight. Newt was an inspirational leader and had a lot of principles right, but Newt couldn't be consistent. He is brilliant, and I have huge admiration for him. And he created 1994 and the, and the Republican Revolution, and, and he to this day is brilliant when you listen to him talk about human nature and motivations and good public policy and why some of the things that we are doing as a nation are mistakes. Uh, and he's good at all those things. He's, but uh, consistency, yeah. uh, nobody would say is his strong suit. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, I think they're very different periods in our time. And I think uh, we need some kind of leveling off of the intensity um, I, I think about it actually every Wednesday when I come down here. Um, 1994 and the time period I served from 95 to through 2010, uh, nobody had nobody was willing to, again, use the word lie or deceive the public or uh, I'll say essentially cheat as a part of their ongoing strategy. Uh, and yet today, I think it's it, it's every single day, mm -hmm. and and you go, how long can we survive if no one is held to account for uh, lying or or improper or for that matter illegal conduct? 
you know, that might be the interesting difference between McCarthy and Gingrich. Um, Gingrich was an ideas man uh, and a man of a lot of ideas. I remember someone once said Newt has 100 ideas a day. Three of them are excellent. The problem is figuring out which three. That was said on the Hill. You, you remember quotes on like almost that. daily basis. OK, but while he was an ideas man and I remember a lot of the ideas, whether it was welfare reform or whether it was uh, single parenthood and uh, the raising uh, or education reform. I mean, he had a lot of ideas, even even showing the power of the House of Representatives to influence foreign policy in certain respects, I think, like the Jerusalem Embassy Act and things like that. But while McCarthy may not be an ideas man, he is a consistency yep. man. So he's got the consistency part of your wife's advice and knew had the ideas part of your contribution to the marriage, yep. which is the marriage that makes our body politic work. Yep. Uh, and I think at this time we need that consistency because, quite frankly, there's a fairness to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hope he continues to hold uh, transgressors accountable uh, and, and to set a standard and then stick to that standard. Yeah, and maybe show the Democrats once and for all that when they break the rules, they are setting a precedent. I mean, we saw this with the we, we saw this back in the Senate when they did this with the filibuster, but I got us our third movie in in your line on this and it's a man for all seasons. <laughs> this country go. is planted thick with laws from coast to coast. Man's law not God's, and if you cut them down and you're the man to do it, do you really think you could stand up right in the winds that would blow then? That was a message the Democrats never heeded. John Shattuck, you are such a pleasure and a delight to have in studio. Thank you for Thank being you. with us this afternoon. John Shattuck, he is the head of Shattuck and Associates, S-H-A-D-E-G-G. I am Seth Leibson, and I'll be back with one concluding thought. You've all been hearing me talk about why refi for a while now, and if you still have some questions about what it would be like to invest with them, they urge you to give them a call at 888-YREFI-34, where they can happily put you in touch with any number of very satisfied clients and customers in the Phoenix area who have invested with them and are doing very well. They'd like me to ask you how your IRA is doing as well. Would you like your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the stock market or the Fed? Did you know you can invest with Y-Refi through an IRA or other qualified funds? And you can keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn, tax-deferred. That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA, and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. 888-Y-Refi-34, or check them out online, investyrefi.com. I want to thank you, David. David Dahl, my associate producer, who flew this plane the entire the entire show. Solo. Flying solo. Well, well done, David. Uh, okay, we did three movies, all of which are great movies and instructive movies um, this hour. Um, the old ones, man, they're classics. Uh, we, uh, I think, we started with um, we started with the man who shot Liberty Valance. The last line of which is, "When uh, the legend becomes fact, you print the legend," which I think was the lesson the Democrats learned and practiced to a fairly well for the past several years, and uh, now we are uncovering. All of that shade they have pulled down over our eyes. Uh, the next movie, what did John bring up? He brought up uh, Bridge on the River Kwai, where Alec Guinness says at the, what does he say at the very end? Oh, dear, what have I done? What have I done? Uh, plaintively, Alec Guinness does. Uh, when was that movie? 1957, maybe? 1957, Bridge on the River Kwai. And then, of course, A Man for All Seasons, uh, based on the Robert Bolt play, 
Oh gosh, what a great cast! Um, uh, Man for All Seasons was, uh, is, uh, you know, Robert Shaw, which I'm trying to get you to watch, David. But the quote is um, the the quote is fantastic, uh, and it's uh, that the country is planted thick with laws from coast to coast. Man's law, not God's. And if you cut them down, and you're just the man to do it, do you really think you could stand upright in the winds that would blow then? And the point of that is the importance of law. We talk about ordered liberty around here, and we can't have liberty without law, and we can't have law without a consistency and nonpartisan application of it. There is one beat in the breast of the American people that I think beats on boats against the tide, and that is the beat of fairness. Fairness, something slightly different from justice. But the American people, more than anything, demand fairness, whether you're talking about a jury in a courtroom or the political jury of the American people. And that's what this new Congress is beginning to bring us, fairness. It's something to be esteemed, respected, saluted, and cherished, not denounced and ridiculed and reviled. All right, folks, thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us take none of it or you for granted. It means a ton that you would allow us into your cars and your homes and your hearts and your heads and your ears. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. I'm Seth Liebson, and class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.